Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Trent. I'm here with Alan. And uh, right now we're hoping that you endured through Memorial Day and all the barbecue and the sales and all that good stuff. I hope you had a blast. And uh, so today we want to talk to you about some some things and using a big word, a $5 word uh, in church life. And uh, so, Alan, help us to understand where we're going. With, what's the big word? Yeah, we just want to talk to you today about how to exegete uh, your audience. We talk an awful lot about exegeting scripture and preaching, but um, we mention exegeting your audience, but I don't know that anyone's ever really talked to you about how you go about doing that. So we want to take today and talk to you about kind of that process and the things that you need to think about when you're putting a, a sermon together. It always begins with God's word. But you also have to think about the audience that, that you're speaking to. And so we would just want to help you with that today. So I know uh, you're into summertime. You could be on vacation, traveling on vacation. I, I hope your kids are listening and enjoying this uh, as well. So uh, anyway, um, put everyone put everyone through this, the whole family through this together as you're traveling on your summer summer adventures. That's right. Yeah. We're so, so, and everybody can learn the big word, right? Exegete is a great word. And, you know, we're supposed to rightly divide God's word. And so we also, as we do that, we have to rightly divide our listeners and understand who we're speaking to because God has gifted us with a, a flock of people to, to build up. And uh, we want to be able to help them to all grow. And so that means that we need to take some time and, and think about who are the people that, that are in the audience as we speak to them. And so um, here, Alan, I want you to help us to understand, as you put this note together for us, who are some of the people that are commonly attending our services and how do we think about them as we exegete this? Yeah, so as you are, as you are going through your scripture and as you're pouring through the scripture. What does the scripture say? You you need to be asking yourself, who are the people that commonly attend your services? Because if you're preaching through a passage in Ephesians, you're obviously not Ephesian um, by by nature. So so who are the people who are attending your service, and what do you have in common? What's different? But as you're going through that, what are the things? So well, you can visualize different people in your church, but you know, what's the overall spiritual maturity uh, of your church? Where where are your people at? Um, that's probably a good place to begin. And remember, when you're speaking, you tend to want to speak to that kind of that lowest place of of commonality. Um, but what's what are some of the common issues or struggles uh, that people are facing um, in your church? I remember in 2007, we, we all were hit at the same time with a huge economic downturn. Um, and so everyone was kind of going through the same struggle at that point in time. But you can have a, a community where maybe there's uh, been some tragedy or or maybe there's been some celebration. You know, in a small town, you win a you win a football state championship. That's 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 a big deal. Right. You know, so so it changes those things. What are some deficiencies or or weaknesses um, in your church and in their knowledge and, and those type of things? And so. Those are those are all kind of those things. What do you think about that list, Trent? Yeah, I was as you were saying that, Alan. I was just kind of thinking through what might be the different people groups. Uh, you know, spiritual maturity. Uh, I'm thinking. You know, we help a, a church plant 
out in Phoenix. And, and I know that they're doing a great job of reaching out to people who have not been in church at all. And so you, you really do have a group of people that have no foundation and you're, you're kind of have to start at the beginning. So that's going to um, mean that as you're speaking, you're preaching, you're going to have to define some terms that you might not have to in another church setting. Um, common issues and struggles. You know, this past year, we've all been through COVID and, and some still are. Uh, and so that that's going to be a common thing that you can you can kind of bring people around. And, and, you know, maybe there's somebody in your church that has lost a loved one because of COVID. And so that's going to affect the things that you say. Um, it's going to um, maybe affect your your sermon planning, too. And uh, then deficiencies and weaknesses you know, we all struggle in different areas and, and maybe uh, being discipled, maybe the level of discipleship in your church is not where you want it to be. Um, so that's going to affect a lot of these. And, and I know, Alan, you've got a note on here. Don't forget about your online attenders. Um, where are they at? And it's kind of hard to pin that down. It's like stapling jello to the wall. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no doubt. But I, I think some of them are reaching out to you, right? I mean, so you're, you're starting to look, where are they coming from? Are they all from within your community? Or are you getting some from outside? We've got people who listen to us from Tennessee regularly from California. It's because they have a family connection or, or used to be connected to our church. But, you know, who, who are those who are those people? And so you, you want to um, remember remember them. And so that, that really kind of goes with the, all these notes. Don't forget that the, the dynamic has changed. You're hopefully online with your church. You're you're live streaming or you're pre-recording, you're doing something. Don't forget that your online group probably has a little bit different look and you've got to find a way now to speak to both groups oftentimes at the same time. Yeah. And that's a struggle. I, I mean, it's, you can picture the people that sitting in your congregation, you look out and you can see them, their faces, but you can't always see those people that are watching you online. But, and so how do you, you kind of, yeah. You know, like Alan said, if you kind of know where they're watching from, that may give you a better clue. Uh, and so there's a lot of things you got to keep in mind. Well, and I, you, you can really, it doesn't have to be anything that's necessarily way over the top. Let's just say, uh, you know, you're preaching on the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 20 years ago, I would have said, I know you guys are familiar with this passage because everyone was. Mm -hmm. Today, however... You've got people in your church who haven't cracked their Bible open, um, maybe don't even have their own copy of a Bible. Um, they've been coming for eight months or a year. Um, and you, you might say, we're going to use a passage today. It's a very popular passage in, in, in churches. Some of you are going to be familiar with it, but maybe you're here and you're not. That's okay, but this passage is going to come to mean a lot to you. Let's look at that together. All you're doing is helping draw in some of those connections and recognizing that not everyone has the same same knowledge base as everyone else in the church. That really puts everyone at ease. And so you're just trying to take a few of those steps al along the way. And I'm still learning this. <laughs> I'm still exegeting my audience after all these years. But And the audience changes over time. You have to kind of redo this process a, a little bit. Yeah, and, and so as we think about the guests, uh, I know that we've had quite a few guests coming to our church, and, and Alan, we've talked about this, you know, that just thinking about that, it just, and you did a great job of 
giving a sample introduction to a passage, and that helps those guests um, to feel more like, hey, this guy cares, and I don't have to, I don't have to feel guilty because I haven't ever been in church before. And I think that's huge. Uh, but, th- yeah. but who are the guests that attend your church? Yeah, and how and how are, how are they different? I mean, I was actually given a pre-warning uh, this past Saturday. I got a phone call. Hey, I just want you to know you're going to have someone who's actually kind of nervous about coming to church. They're afraid they're not going to fit in. They're afraid, you know, um, but but they want to come and be a part of of a, a celebration that's going on. And so, um, I, I was grateful to have that warning, just so I could be sensitive to the fact that the, I knew that there was someone out there who was nervous about being there. So really trying to work extra hard at trying to, to just make sure that I created, help create that right, that right atmosphere. But you have to think about how they're different from your regular attenders. And, and, and it has changed. I think the pandemic has changed our, our guest structure. Um, we've had a lot of guests who, um, who have visited our church. We're, you know, we are near a large, large metropolitan area, but we're not metropolitan. And we've had a lot of people in our community who have driven up to 45 minutes to an hour to go to a church. Um, once they moved out to our community, they just kept going to the same church they had gone to before they moved out. And because of the pandemic, they're like, I think we should find a church closer to home and get plugged in. Well, um, that it's it's kind of been one demographic of visit of guests and so i need to recognize who they are and, and some of the needs in their life and 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 recognize that they're not representative of the whole of the church but they do represent a big part of the future of the church that's really good um and you've got in our note here i think this is a really great question what are the unchurched like in your community i had as like oh that's a great question because um, don't discount the ability of the Holy Spirit to draw somebody that's been totally against church from coming to your church for the first time. And, and so you make a lot of assumptions um, about people that are unchurched, but maybe those assumptions are wrong. Yeah, and I think too, Trent, one of the things you would think about, like um, the average unchurched person in Oklahoma City is going to look different from the average unchurched person you know, in Comanche, Oklahoma, Um, you know, and and to think about that as well, you know, that the, just the values, because, and that kind of leads us toward the next one, the unchurched represent a certain culture or subculture, just like the church represents a certain subculture and those subcultures change. And so what does it look like? I mean, in my community, there's probably not a ton of atheists, you know, Um, we have some, uh, some, uh, but there's not a whole lot of people who are just anti-God. There's a lot of people who are, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But there's not a whole lot of anti-God here, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, you could go up to a, a couple other counties here in Colorado and find a lot of that, a lot more of that. And so to know know that the the unchurched and the difference in those unchurched can, can really be huge. And I think you're right, too. Don't discount what God can do. Don't mm-hmm. Don't be surprised. You know, if that person who is on the opposite fringe of everything you've been planning for comes in <laughs> because yeah. God's working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you're talking about this in the culture, it made me think, you know, when I was pastoring in, Col- in Colorado, I was on the very eastern side of the state. And in actuality, 
Colorado is one of those states that is is actually two states when you think about churched and unchurched and um, openness to God and not and atheist versus you know Christian kind of thing along the front range where Allen is 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 kind of the dividing line. Uh, you've got a whole lot of people in the mountains that would be a whole lot more likely to be atheists uh, that are uh, and so and then you've got the people on the eastern side that you've got some real salt of the earth people who grew up. Um, hearing about this. And and so the people in the mountains may not have ever heard a lot about this and may have moved there to get away from that. So there's a lot of these things that you kind of need to know about. Yeah. And that, that kind of ties us into just that whole cultural mindset. Are you urban, suburban, rural, you know, in our, in our case of front range or, or, or mountain or Eastern plains or Western slope. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can actually break it down in, in all kinds of ways. Um, I mean, that's really kind of one of the first places when you're talking about, when you're talking about exegeting your, your, your church, they are a reflection of your com- community's culture. And, you know, you do need to, you do need to recognize that. I grew up in a lot, in a large city. And so I have pastored in many rural churches that, that took some acclimating, you know, I, I had to change. I had to, adapt to them and not expect them to adapt to me. And that's probably one of those first things we could talk about in ministry is it's our job to reach out to the people we're going to um, and not expect them to come to us and meet us where we're at. Yeah, that's really true, Alan. God has placed us there to minister to the flock that is there. Um, just like in a marriage, you don't you don't expect to go into and everybody goes into marriage thinking I'm going to change the other person. That's not going to happen, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, you don't you don't go into your ministry position and your ministry place expecting to change those people to make them more like you. You you expect to to minister to the people that God created and placed there. And so there's lots of different cultural parts of that. Um, Alan mentioned the urban, suburban, and rural, and those are definite cultures. There's also a, a fast and a slow pace of life, right? Uh, you know, it seems the, like everywhere is a fast pace, but but it's, it's not as fast. I mean, there are places yeah. where where it just moves uh, more slowly. You know, one of my all-time favorite TV episodes of any show, anytime, is uh, Andy Griffith, Man in a Hurry. This, the city guy's coming through town and his car breaks down and he's in a hurry to get his car fixed, get his car fixed. And then he looks around and recognizes how nice it is to have a slow day. And, um, you know, I love that episode. That's kind of one of my go-tos when I'm feeling hustled. I'll, I'll turn on that episode and reminds me, you know what? Take time, sit back, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and to be able to sit and visit with somebody, you know, take time to visit with someone, that's great. Your values are another part of the culture, and and there will be an overall value or moral system in a culture, in a, in a um, location. Um, yeah, families are going to be different. People are going to be different, but there's going to be an overall trend, and um, you can look at the way people vote in certain areas. You've got blue counties, red counties, whatever. And, and that, that will show itself and, and it will affect how you do ministry. You may not realize it, but it does affect you. 
Yeah, and you also have just the values. Um, if you take um, in a, again a dem demographic study, you could look at the political affiliation. You could also um, look at marriage, marriage success. Um, you know, the higher the divorce rate, the more that's going to say about uh, about maybe that marriage isn't valued as as highly as um, as it should be. Um, there, there, there's just different things. You can look at crime rates. Um, that's going to reflect some of the, some of the values. Um, um, in a community that maybe life or property isn't as valuable or people's space isn't as valuable. So, you know, you get, you get all these things that kind of just point you to certain values that are important um, within, a, within a community. And those are going to affect how, how, how you teach and, and, and how you preach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's also employers um, um, things and different businesses in areas. That affects the culture big time. Well, you know, so Trent, you and I both went to college in a town that was about 20, 25,000 people. Um, at the time, there was one, there were two super large employers. Um, there had been a meat processing plant, and then they added a, a Walmart distribution center. Uh, those two things drove, drove the economy. I mean, those were, those were huge factors there. But there was also in that small town, a Baptist college. That was also a huge driver um, in that town. And so, you know, being three of the biggest employers there, that they had a, a huge say so over, over, uh, over that community. And if you're in a small community, one large employer in that small community, um, can, uh, can affect a lot and, and can do a lot. I remember hearing years ago about a, a large employer in a town and, churches not being able to do Sunday services because there just wasn't enough people because they had to work on Sundays. Their job required a Sunday employment. And so they went to more evening services um, because of the employer in that town. Well, if you're not exegeting your people, you're not going to know that. Right. And you'll just be frustrated, right? If you don't take some time and think about what these, because it's not that they're against you. It's just that sometimes, just like you said, this employer required them to work. And, you know, if you take time to listen and get to know your people and then you can come and meet them where their need is and then they recognize, hey, this guy really cares and they're going to care to listen to what you have to say then. Yeah. And I'll give you a, just a, another practical example, exegeting your people. When we were meeting in a school, when we were still meeting in, in our high school, in our community, the teachers were so tired of that and so frustrated with that who attended our church because they were already there five days a week, um, many hours a day. And it was, it was not easy for them to come back to church. And you got to be sensitive to that. You got to recognize it, that sometimes their absence didn't have to do with frustration or anything. Just that they just did not want to walk, but walk, go back into that same place that they spend every other day. Or, you know, if you have a, a, a people, if there's a big employer and you do the same exact job it, every day, looks the same uh, all week long and you go to church and you never mix things up. Um, there, no. that's that's going to be a problem. You you need to recognize. I got to do some things that change, that keep it interesting um, for people. Well, and I was thinking about as we think about employers um, in small towns. One of the biggest employers in your small town is going to be the school system. Uh, that's just inevitable, and and so you got to, you know, do your best to work with them and to um, be a, a light there with. The folks that are working in that school system because especially if you've got some 
believers that come to your church and they work in the school system, do everything you can to bless and encourage them as a light in their school. Yeah. And don't fool yourself too. If you live in a larger suburban or, or metropolitan area, um, you're going to still have a big, a big driver, a big employer. You know, I know a church um, in Denver, Lockheed Martin is a huge, is a huge employer there. Um, and that's where many of the people in their church go to. It, it affects, it affects a lot. So this is important no matter, no matter where, where your church is. So Trent, we've talked about, you know, who are the people that commonly attend your services? Who are the guests that attend your church? What's your community's culture? But I think there's one other question that we need to ask. And Trent, I think this is something that you do so well. Are you connecting with both the heart and the head? Hmm, I, I love that question. And, and I think it is important because, and just like all these things, it's the reason we want you to think through these is so that you can connect with those people's hearts. Um, you know, you, and you've got to go through their head. <laughs> you've got to, you know, understand what they're dealing with so that you can can share those heart issues. And and uh, the more you get to know people, um, I'm a people person. I, I love hanging out with people. The more that you get to know them, you're going to understand what's really going on in their lives. And you can speak to those heart issues and and you can, you know, be that that uh, Renaissance man that knows enough about something everything to talk about a little bit and to to be able to share with your the folks that are in your church it's really important yeah you just you, you just have to find a way to build connections and if you don't take time to get to know you can't you can't connect and you know i know that sometimes we we take the the role of preaching as we're we're we it's an intellectual process but it's also a heart process and you you have to do both you can give great information but if you don't connect it in a way that touches people's hearts, um, it's disconnected. It, it takes both. And when you connect with both of those areas, it, it sticks so much better. That's why this is an important topic. This is why this is not something that you can sweep under the rug and just say, well, if I exegete the passage, well, you know, God's word will do it all. Well, yeah, God's word, God's word works, but he's chosen to use you. He's chosen to use you as his mouthpiece. And he, he, he wants you to connect with him, with, with your people. You connect with God, then you connect with your people. And that is the role of the pastor. That's the role of the preacher. That's the prophetic role in the church. And so this is important. Don't, don't neglect. Do not neglect to exegete your people. Yes, this is so good. And I'm glad you shared that at the last because it is true. He did choose to use you. And we know that that all of us as ministers, we need to continue to grow. Um, I hope that's why you listen to our podcast. Uh, and we want to encourage you, if you just started listening, go back. We've got, gosh, we've got over 120, 112 episodes now out and you can go back and listen. And uh, But we also want to be able to maybe have a conversation with you. Um, we want you to grow. We want to encourage you. And uh, so, Alan, how can they contact us if they want to know more? Yeah, just holler out at the top of, of, of your lungs. Um, or if you don't feel like hollering, you can email us, um, alan at enduringchurches.consulting, trent at enduringchurches.consulting. Um, we've got a Facebook page. We've got a website. Um, we, we just, um, enduringchurches.com. Um, you can find us at Enduring Churches on Facebook. But we are here. Um, I'm a certified church 
consultant working on a certification in church revitalization, as is Trent working on a certification in ch uh, church revitalization. We are here to help churches succeed. We, we want you to succeed. Um, and I believe God's kingdom needs you to succeed. And so we, we are here for you. So please reach out to us. And if you also, if you listen to this and you find it helpful at all, um, please share it with some with someone um, who can benefit from it. So maybe someone who's um, struggling um, to connect, uh, you know, share this with them. And, and maybe this is that one missing part um, in their preaching ministry that, that's going to help them. So uh, make sure you, sh you share this with others. And thank you again that you take time to listen. You you uh, you make Tuesdays when we record uh, a really good day. And so thank you so much for listening to us and we look forward to catching you um, next week. And, you know, as we think about the, the next episode, we just want you to know the, the next one that comes out, Trent and I are actually going to be together at a conference. And so we're going to be doing some recording while we're at that conference um, together for the very first time. We've never, we've never been at the same place when we recorded something. So. Yay. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah it's going to be kind of cool. We don't know how it's going to go, but it's going to be really cool either way. So it's going to be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It could, could be. <laughs> but, but, but we are looking forward to it. So uh, make sure, make sure you, you stay tuned to all the good stuff going on um, with Enduring Churches. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.